We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much. So many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Welcome everybody, Steve with Cespedelli. I'm coming at you with Devin, uh, Dr. Kevin Mark from the Colby Center. I think you're the you're part of the head of the Canada Canadian chapter. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that's right. I guess it's not a chapter. Canadian director, <laughs> doing what I can to uh, fight uh, evolution theory in Canada. Yes, and if you haven't seen it yet, there's a 17 DVD set available. It's still I still see people buying it every so often. Uh, so download and DVDs. We'll have the link below for us. Dr. Mark is on quite a few of the DVDs. And we figured we ain't touched the subject in a while, so we invite Colby Center back in to basically talk about what well, you know, communism is in the news, eugenics is in the news, all this stemming from evolution. So, Doc, I, where do you want to start with it? You go back to WW1 days uh, before? So, um... A really interesting aspect of um, the theory of evolution is its historical consequences and what was the historical effect of the acceptance of this theory. And um, a lot of people don't realize, but the country that really accepted evolution theory the most of any country was Germany. Um, there was a fellow named Ernst Haeckel, and he was Darwin's chief proselytizer, and he managed to convince um, the Germans en masse, hook, line, and sinker, that evolution is true. And that culture really swallowed that, believed it, and as such, they incorporated it not only into their idea of biology, but uh, socially. And so what you had were the uh, military uh, individuals um, like uh, General von Bernhardi. Um, he said war was a biological necessity, struggle for existence, the basis of all healthy development, and that war is not only a biological law but a moral obligation, and as such, an indispensable factor in civilization. So, this really did lead directly into World War I. You had the populace that was primed for this they believed that they were the superior race that if you take evolution to its logical consequences that you would have some aspects of humanity that are more evolved than others and since in evolution theory basically what you have is the tooth and nail struggle for survival you have to have somebody that comes out on top and they felt like the germans that they were that people. Um, so in if you observe nature, uh, you do not see mercy and compassion. You see um, the struggle for survival, survival of the fittest, and this is exactly what was seen in World War I. The Germans uh, were willing to 
fight it out essentially to the death to try to um, advance their cause. And the interesting thing is that while some people consider war to be insanity, they weren't insane. This was very logical. They thought um, to them, they just kind of brought this to its logical conclusion and war was the inevitable result. And of course, World War I resulted in 17 million military and civilian deaths. Um, but um, World War I wasn't the only um, result of this when you're talking about wars, because Adolf Hitler fought in World War I. He was outraged that the Germans lost. And so he firmly believed that natural selection would allow Germany to win this time. I mean, his book, Mein Kampf, My Struggle, is what it translates to, and this was the Darwinistic idea of survival of the fittest, that the strong must dominate the weak, that they can't mix. And the idea of animal breeding came into play. They would never um, breed their um, best horses with a weaker one, and so they thought the same could apply to people, that the Aryans were the highest race, and so you had this playing out on the world stage. I mean, really, it's impossible to have World War One and World War II um, without the foundation of evolution um, as the dominant philosophy that all of these people relied on. Um, and I mean, when um, example of this, we, we have this series, Foundations Restored, and um, I like this quote um, coming up from uh, Rudolf Hess. He was a uh, commandant of Auschwitz, and uh, this was a guy who was raised Catholic uh, in German, and he later on, was, as he was being tried for his crimes, he repented, and this is what he said. He said, I see today very clearly what for me is very hard and bitter, that the whole ideology and the whole world in which I believe so firmly was resting upon completely false foundations and certainly had to fall into ruins someday. Likewise, did not my fall from faith in God depend wholly on my false foundations? He, um, thank God, uh, like I said, repented. He received the sacraments uh, before his execution. Um, but how sad that he did so much evil, again, like he said, resting on these false foundations. And the sad thing is that so many in the Western world, so many Catholics are resting on these same foundations. Um, thankfully, nowadays, um, that idea of it um, going that extreme has been um, turned back from, but, um, you know, we're seeing um, a lot of crazy stuff happening right now. And um, it is scary what's, what the future holds. Um, now, did you want me to go into um, the communism connection too? I mean, yeah, because we could talk about what uh, Joseph Stalin, he was, uh, wasn't he a, a, a seminarian Orthodox? And then, he was, yeah. Stalin um, was in seminary and um, he was studying to be a priest and Stalin um, got a hold of Darwin's book, um, Origin of Species, and as he read it, he became an atheist. Uh, in addition to that, he um, was also reading um, the work of Lyell and he began to question the Bible's uh, time scale and um, 
through uh, geology and biology, he completely rejected God, and he in fact convinced uh, his, some of his fellow seminarians to uh, also become atheists and to become um, communistic. Um, communism, most people don't realize, but communism is really founded in evolutionism. Um, I mean, Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels both realized this. Um, they um, said, well, Marx said, this is the book, when he was referring to Origin of Species, this is the book which contains the basis in natural history for our view. And he also said, Darwin's book is very important and serves me as a basis in natural selection for the class struggle in history. At Marx's graveside, Engels declared, just as Darwin discovered the law of evolution in organic nature, so Marx discovered the law of evolution in human history. So this um, biological underpinning for communism, um, it was recognized how critical this was, uh, not only in Russia, but also in China. Uh, Chairman Mao, um, he realized this as he was orchestrating the communist takeover of China. Um, in one um, very telling uh, quote from uh, Bishop Cuthbert O'Gara, who was a uh, Catholic bishop missionary to China, and he spent um, almost three decades there from 1924 to 1953. Um, he wrote uh, when the communists were taking over, when communist forces overran my diocese, they were followed in very short order by the propaganda corps, the civilian brand of the red forces. The entire population was immediately organized and everyone was forced to attend the seminar and in servile submission, listen to the communist line. Now what I asked was the first lesson given to the indoctrinees. One might have supposed that this would have been some pearl of wisdom let drop by Marx, Lenin or Stalin. Such, however, was not the case. The very first the fundamental lesson given was man's descent from the ape, Darwinism. At first, this maneuver amazed me. Later on, when in Red Jail, the reason for this unanticipated tactic became very obvious to me. By that time, I knew very well that the primary purpose of the people's government in Peking was to extricate all religious belief and practice. Religion must be destroyed. And Darwinism, of course, negates God, human soul, the afterlife. And into this vacuum, communism enters as the be-all and end-all of intellectual slavery. It has created, end quote. Um, communism, of course, ended up killing um, 100 million people in Russia and China. And if you add the other communist regimes around the world, 150 million people is the death toll. Uh, all of this, it's quite questionable if this could have happened if evolution didn't um, underpin it. Didn't uh, Marx want Darwin's forward or he wanted a forward in, in Darwin's book? I can't remember which who wanted it and what and uh, Darwin said no thanks I don't want anybody to think that I'm part of you but Right yeah well I mean it wasn't um, popular in England to um, to go down that road so they most of uh, these communications before individuals were cut secretive um but um yeah these guys were supporting each other in these ways and um they knew what they were doing they had an evil agenda and um it's us who are um unfortunately 
only beginning to wake up to the evil that has um, caused society to get to where it is today. Yeah, I keep bringing up, uh, by the way, folks, this is in the last three DVDs of the series. I thought they were the most fascinating uh, DVDs personally for me because I'm a terrible scientist. <laughs> I wasn't that great in biology, but they're very, everything's just enormous amounts of um, knowledge and information coming out of it. But then all that leads up to these final three DVDs on society and culture problems that stem from evolution. So I like bringing up like, you know, 1928, the socialist platform, we've checked everything off. The communist planks of the United States, we've checked it in the manifesto, the United States have checked everything off. People today, go, oh, we're becoming, com we're becoming communist, we're becoming socialist. We've been, we've, I'm talking about the United States, we've been that. There's been a eugenic movement at the beginning in the, like, the 1920s as well, wasn't there? Oh yeah, the eugenic movement, um, it in so many ways uh, laid the next foundation after evolutionism to where we are today. I mean, um, the father of eugenics is Francis Galton, uh, Charles Darwin's cousin. And I mean, this term eugenics, it means well-born. Mm -hmm. And so it was this idea that just like dogs and horses can be bred, so can humans. And so there's an idea that of uh, positive eugenics where those who are most fit uh, should be made to breed together and negative eugenics where those who are least fit are forbidden from breeding at all. And so eugenics was quickly adopted among Western elites. And um, part of this was because they realized that their birth rate was lower than the lower class. Um, that kind of ties into, of course, now to um, Bill Gates and those associated with him, how they are really wanting to eliminate um, the uh, birth rate uh, or, or lower it in Africa and other um, third world countries because they see that they're increasing in numbers more than the Western elites who hardly have any children. Um, but um, yeah, the eugenic members of society, they really did fear that um, that the general population would be degraded uh, if they didn't do something um, biologically. And um, so they formed all of these eugenic uh, councils in especially the English speaking countries. Um, I mean, they're in the US before World War II, there were 350 different universities offering coursework in eugenics. Uh, most U.S. states passed laws allowing forced sterilization in certain cases. The same um, can be said in Canada and at least two provinces. And um, by 1941 in the U.S. alone, there were around 36,000 forced sterilizations, which is a direct result of this eugenic philosophy. And of course, today, uh, we have Planned Parenthood that really... Um, has very um, ably come out of the eugenics movement. And this was, of course, uh, founded by Margaret Sanger, who uh, had originally entitled that organization the uh, American Birth Control League. Um, and um, she wrote things like the most intelligent members of society are the less fertile, the feeble-minded are the most fertile. Herein lies the unbalance, the great biological menace to the future of civilization. 
Eugenics suggests the reestablishment of the balance between fertility of the fit and the unfit. And she also wrote the most merciful thing that the large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. Mm. Um, and funny how Bill so Gates' dad was head of that for a while, too. He was, yeah. Bill Gates ties right into uh, Planned Parenthood. And uh, he has not lost that zeal to control populations at all. Which really makes you wonder um, why he's so eager to vaccinate the world. Right, right. And also, you think of population control, communism, not uh, say the older people aren't useful anymore. Yeah, totally. I mean, a lot of people dying, that's old. <laughs> yes, and I mean, in Canada now, um, euthanasia is legal. And. Um, you have people constantly um, either requesting it or you have situations where doctors say, oh, Mr. Jones, you know, it looks like you're suffering. I, I can put you out of your misery. And I mean, it's a lethal injection and they're dead. Um, so it's, it's really unbelievable. Um, I mean, apparently now there are a lot more people that are requesting this because these um, seniors, these poor seniors in these uh, seniors' homes are being forbidden to see their family members because of the coronavirus. They are obviously becoming depressed. And when you get depressed, um, of course, you're much more likely to want to die. And it's a pretty uh, scary combination when the doctors are allowed to lethally inject you. Or in the case where Cuomo was, basically, he had them killed. Sure. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. His own version of euthanasia was just by this. Um, what do you? Where do you see the like the forced vaccination, the forced sterilizations? Were any evidence? I mean, you, you brought up the that it happened. Well, what are some famous accounts uh, of that? I, I, was it in Mississippi that they had a a big thing on this? Um. Well, in. To be honest, I'm not sure about Mississippi, but I know in um, American jurisprudence, um, I mean, forced vaccinations are essentially settled law, as far as I know. Um, there is precedent where um, judges have ruled that they are allowed to forcibly vaccinate people. And that is the really scary thing because I. To me, it looks like it's pretty much the same in Canada. Now, um, if I had to bet how this is going to go down, I kind of doubt that they're going to, you know, hold you down and vaccinate you. But I do think that there's going to be uh, consequences for not getting vaccinated. Um, you could lose your job. You could um, get fined. You could have tax consequences perhaps in a worst case scenario maybe you could end up in jail i don't know but um you know in um australia i read in the news that the uh prime minister there said that they're going to make vaccinations as mandatory as they can um so if they're already saying that well australia is not that different of a society than United States, Canada, and a lot of other places. So um, it is uh, it is definitely scary what's coming down the pipe. Yeah, they, they, it won't be mandatory per se. Like uh, your colleague Pam Eckers has a, 
they had a thing with uh, one of the priests that she mentioned that if they hold you down, that's basically assault. But they can also make you, if you want to go eat, if you want to go get this, if you want to go get a car, you want to go to college, you want to buy a car, you want to go to work, go to, get in a building, you have to show that. There was a link the other day of uh, QR codes that you must have to present that will make sure that you know if you have your vaccine update or not. Or Google's coming out with a tracking system in a couple weeks going, there's some nefarious things coming down the pipe. It's, 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 it's crazy times we're living in. Um, and um, we just have to hold on to God. I mean, we, we can't stop praying. We can't stop um, our devotions, even though a lot of us aren't um, able to um, even make it to Mass regularly. Uh, we have to just rely on Him, because at this point, it's really hard to envision a natural means out of this problem we're in um, with the way that our leadership is acting. Uh, I mean, it seems like we need a supernatural uh, answer to this uh, to this scenario we find ourselves in. Yes, no, exactly. I, I thought of uh, Ireland just the other day. They were pro- not I don't want to say protesters. There were guys like us that were had to bust through the barricade to go celebrate the feast of Our Lady of Knock in Ireland. Sure. Yeah, Out, and they could get inside the basilica. <laughs> right. Yes. Had, had it outside in the parking lot. Um, awesome. You're you're a doctor, dentist. Uh, yeah. The mass thing. You were we? How should we handle this? I mean, you see people grabbing it, putting it on, putting it up on their windshield, on their rearview mirror, throwing it in their purse. They use the same one over and over. They fiddle with it. Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm the, I used to be a medical sales rep. I mean, I remember docs taking it and throwing it away. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, to me, it is really uh, crazy the way that they've rolled this out. Because, I mean, in, in a dental office or medical office, um, we have access to a lot of masks. I mean, I go through... Um, you know, probably close to 20 masks in a day. And um, we know that when a mask becomes uh, moist, it loses all of its effectiveness. I mean, it's, it's worse than ineffective. It can actually be causing problems because once it is trapping moisture, it's liable to be trapping um, bacteria and viruses in it that's going to be kind of pressed up against your face. And... Um, this is not going to be good for you. So um, my recommendation would be if you have to wear a mask um, and you have a, um, you know, cleanable one, you can run through the wash and do that often and make sure that it's dry. And once it starts getting wet at all, yeah, from your uh, moisture, uh, it's not doing you any good. It's doing you a lot of harm. And I think this is crazy that people are wearing the same mask on end for, for days um, I, I just don't get it, and I really um, am scared to see what's going to end up happening in the schools when they open up and they start wearing masks, all the kids. I, I think that they're going to find a lot of sick kids, not with coronavirus, but just with colds and whatnot, because I, I do not see these masks actually doing what they hope they will do. Yeah, in California, there's an article out saying that the, uh, the kids going to school will be uh, held with a misdemeanor if they're caught without a mask on. Uh, wow. Uh, so, ex- example, you see all these photos of uh, 
people's faces being this far away and you know spitting in and you actually are in a profession when you're that close to somebody a lot yeah <laughs> i've never seen anybody really get up close to somebody and start talking and uh right. like that like they show so do you wear that to prevent you from getting anything from the patient or you um, accidentally getting something out of your mouth uh it's both um i am you know so close to a patient that um if i was let's say i wasn't wearing a mask even me speaking it would be not that hard to uh, imagine uh, mm -hmm. you know saliva droplets going out into the person's mouth uh, and not only that we are using aerosols and you know water and air spray so uh, a lot of the time the uh, saliva in their mouth is being aerosolized um, so when you have water droplets that are being uh, or saliva droplets that are being spread into the air well then that is really the main reason why we wear masks here but when you are in kind of a normal setting where you're not like you know one or two feet away from someone and um, you're not using aerosols um, you know obviously there's a heck of a lot less chance of transmission um, so to me, that's the difference between a medical or dental setting and just a, like a normal social situation. I guess I should say that you're that close to them for 10, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's not like a social setting when someone goes, hey, how you doing? And then they walk away or... <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I heard someone say the other day, I, I don't know if it's true, but it, it normally you have to be in contact with someone for a good 10 minutes uh for this virus to spread um i don't know if it's that long or not but um it, it makes sense to me that it would be a little more than just you know a couple seconds yeah yeah either that you're really friendly with that other person <laughs> <laughs> right yes exactly. what did, going back to the communistic part of this and eugenics part of this and uh kind of grabbing what you see from gates and Gavi and uh, the World Economic Forum and all this. Are, do you look back as saying we saw all this coming and these guys are just nothing's new. This is a we've seen it. We could have predicted it, but they gum it. No one saw any of this. I mean, does that make sense? Um, yeah, I mean it. Yes and no. Um, I mean, I don't really in the current world climate i don't really know what could have been done um to stop this these um kind of people in the background um with their plans and whatnot but um you know now that we're able to, to be in the midst of it just like we, if we could go back a few years we wouldn't know how to stop it we don't know how to stop it right now either so um unfortunately uh, I think the uh, little people, so to speak, like you and me, are kind of at the mercy of, um, of things. But uh, in terms of, you know, just taking a look at the big picture and looking at the, the philosophy and um, whatnot that laid the foundations for this, um, you know, it's not that surprising. It's kind of like the whole um, climate change um, scare and, um, you have this situation where people do not believe in God often. They are 
thinking that we just sort of by chance popped into existence and that our existence is teetering on the edge at all times and so that humanity has to do everything in its power to try to keep us alive um, because we didn't come here with a purpose we don't have an overriding supernatural being who cares about us and will will uh, will help us and so you have this humanistic view of reality where man is the ultimate um control over his own destiny so once you have that philosophy it's not that surprising that you end up with this kind of dictatorial uh type regime which we saw with communism which is sadly and very scarily um seeming to come into uh the vogue now yeah i guess i must have i, I messed up how i was trying to worry because after i said i'm going that was there that was bad que- questions i deal with seeing all these guys and how it would be like uh their positions you know we are we know better than you oh yeah sure you yeah you pinions need to take this uh as just we all know dr gates just kidding he's not a doctor is basically all of a sudden he's now you know we got to get this for all these people starting with black folk in africa yeah old people uh it's almost like eugenics again right there in front of us yes but i don't know if anybody's wanting to call it that or is terrified terrified to call it that uh yeah it's very similar you have this um these elites that think they know what's best for everybody and that everybody should listen to them and do what they say and uh once you start essentially forcing uh, medical intervention on people it, it isn't really that much different from when they ended up sterilizing people forcibly um so how do you get out of it unless um you have some sort of um um uprising or backlash from the people or you have some politicians that start standing up to this and saying um enough's enough but um yeah it is uh, very much something that doesn't happen unless you have elites that think they know better than everybody else you as a physician yourself what do you when you see this stuff going on What's like the first things you're thinking of? I mean, uh, are you looking at it as in, is everybody just losing their mind? How Or how can people be had like this? I mean, we look at like the death rate and you just do simple math division wise. Uh, I did it the other day. You divide the cases by death, you get 0.035%. Not exactly something to be terrified about. Like uh, the swine flu in 2010 when they the WHO came out and said basically it was a scare tactic. And they changed right. the pandemic number to something so significantly low that basically anything's a pandemic. Yeah, it's um, the only explanation for it that I see is fear. Uh, once you, I mean, when this thing started rolling out, I think all of us were fearful because the way the media was reporting it, it seemed like this was the next black plague. Um, and so you create this climate of fear and when people are scared that they're going to die, um, then suddenly all these restrictions and everything else seem a lot more palatable if they think they're doing it 
um, to save their lives or the lives of their loved ones. Um, but um, yeah, I agree with you that when you start um, looking into the stats and um, looking into the fact that uh, the vast majority of people who get this have either mild symptoms or, or no symptoms. And I mean, it's just kind of, to me, common sense. You don't have to be um, a uh, university educated uh, <laughs> medical doctor or dentist to understand that um, there's something kind of um, odd here about how they're handling it. Um, so yeah, I, I have kind of, once I got over the initial fear of things, once I kind of stepped back and say, wait a minute, um, they kind of overhype this. Well, then if you step back from the fear, you're able to kind of look at things from a, a more um, rational perspective. So I think that that's what people have to do, stop being so afraid and just start thinking logically about what's happening here. What would you give for someone like me? That this is, I would say, what do you say for everyone else? But like me, I'm having a struggle time with. We have, I like a, a buddy of mine, we were talking about crisis of authority. We don't know who to trust. Uh, it's not only just the bad leaders, but authority wise. How do we go to like, a, my wife had to go to OBGYN the other day, and they're telling everybody to mask up, even if you're pregnant, which lowers your action level, including the baby inside. Yeah, right. So how do you how do you how do you tr go around trusting people that are in the medical field that are buying into this when you know that guys, if you just take three minutes out of your day and you'll get your head out of the ground, basically, you, you'll see the. I don't want to say the other word I wanted to say, but you know what I mean. There's yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's true. It, I mean, I I can relate to you because my wife is pregnant also, and we went into uh, the, the nearest city where we live and um, went into a business and they, you know, made us uh, uh, mask up there. Um, and um, it's when you are thinking that this doesn't make sense, unfortunately, you're kind of at the mercy of um, those people who are in authority. I mean, we, we, if we want to receive services, unfortunately, we kind of have to do what we have to do. Um, uh, I mean, I have a situation where um, our kids take piano lessons and the piano teacher just said, um, starting in fall, everybody will have to mask all the children. Uh, so we're deciding, okay, well, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna continue on with this? Are we just gonna say, scrap the piano lessons? Um, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, it's, um, uh, you know, there, there isn't anything inherently against our religion when it comes to masking. Right. Um, but it is something where um, it, it feels so much like buying into the craziness and the hype that you don't want to feed this craziness more than it already is. So um, I don't know. Good question. I am trying to figure this out myself. <laughs> yeah, like we got to go to a hospital. Not pregnant, but just one of those things. I just when I look at a, a dot where I saw a nurse the other day when I was we were shopping and they they're wearing it and said, I agree with you. I'm, so why are you doing it? I, just, yes, I know. I, I just can't make that connection. Yeah, no, there's a lot of group think. And I mean, I know for myself, um, my receptionists tell people, 
in the waiting room, uh, we recommend you bring a mask. Uh, we don't force it, but um, the reason for that is because I'm taking orders from my dental association. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, you know, a lot of people um, aren't where the buck stops. They're kind of taking orders from the top and um, people are just ultimately listening to guys like Fauci at, who uh, supposedly know what they're talking about and they're trying to follow things. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think um, it's a lot of group think and just going along with the Joneses, so to speak. I'm hoping Dr. Atlas uh, can bring some common sense back into things right now. But sure. um, do you see, we're talking about evolution, but do you see a lot of devolution going on? Yeah. With um, yeah, I mean that's that's the whole um, thing about evolutionism that um, is is so crazy that not only is evolution not true, but the opposite of evolution is true. Devolution that we um, when you go back and you think about Adam and Eve and how. Um, scripture says that Adam lived 930 years, mm -hmm. and um, you can plot um, out the lifespans of the patriarchs before the flood, and you can see how their lifespans um, were very long, and then after the flood, their lifespans gradually decreased. Um, and you look back at um, the church fathers and um, some of these saints and how they um, had the whole... Uh, some of them had all of scripture memorized. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, some of the things these guys were able to do intellectually, I mean, I was reading in um, one of the old councils, they said, um, let no one become a bishop unless he has had the entire Psalter memorized. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, these people when you look back they were not stupid people they were smart they were smarter than we are and now you see uh yeah it does seem like the dumbing down of things i mean the the illiteracy rate is very high now uh, people don't think the more that we've gone on these electronic devices the dumber we seem to get um and it would seem to me that this is really what um, these elites in power want. I mean, when you have society that doesn't think for itself, that it is just kind of like a mindless mob that goes along with whatever, um, you have the perfect recipe for the situation that we are in and a situation where, at the very least, vaccine companies are going to be uh, you know, making billions, if not trillions of dollars um, based upon um, this um, pandemic or scamdemic or whatever you want to call it. I just don't want to call it pandemic. <laughs> call it anything but that. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. These guys are making gigantic amount of money. There was an article about how many guys are just profiting off basically the sufferings of everybody else. It's incredible how much these guys are cashing in right now um yes yeah it's big money big business you brought up cell phones uh notice that you know like we brought i said the qr code digital things like the gates is talking about we don't want to go into you know tell everybody to throw their phones out but are they going to mandate that i mean 
we talk about yeah. Dumb and Down. I was fr- we were at the office the other day, and we were do at noon. We all get together to do an Angelus, and uh, one of the guys does a St. Joseph prayer for workers, and one of the guys turned around and goes, "Man, I wish I had that memorized." I go, "Well, you talk about memorization." I go, "Yeah, you ever heard the the uh, North American Martyrs, the Zoo? They had the Imitation of Christ memorized." <laughs> Right, wow. And they're just upset we can't get a paragraph. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, technology is um, is playing into this whole thing. I read the same thing about them uh, hoping to develop, um, you know, implantable um, markers that could be scanned with cell phones. And then you, you hear about the, the tracking software on, on cell phones. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the time will come where um, the wise thing to do would just be to get rid of these things. Um, I mean, you also hear about, uh, you know, 5G and um, all this type of um, these Wi-Fi signals that are all over the place and, and you start looking into it and you um, start to wonder what kind of uh, mess are we in right now? You know, what kind of microwaves are in that? Uh, I saw that before. So there's some areas that uh, have it much limited, and in, in the United States, it's just basically gargantuan number. I can't even come up with the number it was, but right, yeah. yes. And it's, so you know, you have almost a um, a giant experiment going on right now. Nobody really knows the long term consequences of all of this, and only time will tell. But we unfortunately are the guinea pigs and you bring up that i know there's people that are doing that experimental vaccine and the germans during the uh, eugenics experimented on people for different wartime scenarios right yes yeah the uh, military um machines of the world uh often um test these things on their soldiers and um but they don't really have to do that uh in terms of what's going on right now because there's it created such a climate of fear that people are willingly signing up well in the past they had to force people to take it um but um yeah i mean the when you look into um these vaccines i mean the at one point, um, when I went through dental school, I had no problem whatsoever with vaccines. I, I took them all and I never thought twice about them. It, it, my uh, oldest son, um, when he received one of his shots, uh, a couple days later, he stopped breathing. I had to give him mouth, mouth to mouth. I mean, he was turning blue. He wasn't breathing at all. Thankfully, um, thank God he... Uh, uh, you know, kind of came back to life, so to speak, and um, he recovered, but um, that really shook me up. I mean, after that, um, I said, this isn't worth it. I mean, I don't know what's in these things, but um, whatever consequences of not getting uh, these shots, uh, they ha- has to be better than um, possible death. Um, so since then, uh, we haven't vaccinated, and um, you know, I don't think we're worse for it. That's for sure. Yeah, we've. Uh, I think I started out that way, and after, as one guy says, he goes, "We'll present you the evidence. You have to be an adult and read the evidence, study for yourself, and make what's best for you. Not have me tell you what to do." Sure. And it's one of those things, like, wow, you know, if more people did that, study up on what they were doing. I mean, Pam talks about that. I mean, the, the consequences of playing with nature. Uh, I, I mean, I was blown away when she talked about the, uh, um, what do you call it, chicken pox. 
Then you're seeing less yeah. chicken pox problems. Chicken pox with kids, but then you're having problems later on because they're not getting it. Playing with nature will just screw up nature type. It'll kind of like a butterfly. Yeah, I mean, because the vaccines are only um, typically good for, they say, about 10 years, while if you receive um, the virus naturally, you typically get lifelong immunity. So um, this is something where if, if you're signing up for the vaccine, you better um, write on your calendar 10 years later, I'm going to need this for the rest of my life. Especially one that's only got a 0.035% mortality rate. <laughs> sure, yeah, exactly. And I should mention, so when he's mentioning Pam, Pamela Acker, uh, she uh, is involved with the Colby Center, and she also is in the Foundation's Restored uh, video series. So I really um, recommend you check that out uh, because it, uh, it was great to be part of that project. I mean, I really... Um, got a lot out of watching it myself, even though I'm in it. And um, I, I just think that it, that series has such a um, uh, ability to change um, our mindsets and get us back on the right path. Um, and I hope more and more people um, spread the word about it, foundationsrestored.com. On every level, too. I mean, not just eugenics, not just biology, but scripture-wise, I mean, what I, I I said my favorite ones were the last three, but my other ones were the first was it episode two or three with uh, I got the book down there and I can't I can't see it right now. Recently deceased priest that did on scripture. Oh yeah, um, uh, uh, Vic, was it uh, Tom Hickey? Or no, was it Victor uh, Workowitz? That's it. That's it. Yeah. And yeah, the sure. book that Colby Center sells, by the way, it's a big yellow book. You can't miss oh, yeah. it. Buy it. Give it to others. That's a tremendous book. I did a... Uh, yeah, the, the, the Doctrines of Genesis 1 to 11. Yes, yes. Victor Berkowitz. Yeah, it, it, that's an excellent book. I mean, he he goes at um, the various doctrines that you can glean out of um, belief in creation. And um, he looks at it from a scriptural point of view, from the church fathers, um, throwing some other theology and philosophy, and it is a very uh, robust look at why it makes sense to believe in creation and why evolutionism just can't be reconciled with these doctrines. Um, so yeah, I, I love that book too. Oh, those then those I think it was two episodes they did, and it was spot on. I mean, Leo the Thirteenth and Prophetismos Deus. They actually warns about. If you take the if the people are taking these as fables, that people are leaving the church because they're well, these are wrong. What else is wrong? And yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and Pope Leo the Thirteenth, I mean, he tried his best through that encyclical to tie the end of rationalism. Uh, and if you don't know what rationalism is, it's basically this belief that um, miracles don't happen; that all there is of the natural, the supernatural can't be invoked to explain anything in scripture and so um, this is a lot of um, the underpinning along with evolution as to uh, why um, our current uh, leadership in the church is um, is not um, teaching the faith so to speak because you, it's really impossible to have a full faith um, when you are a rationalist and when you really don't believe that God is still working in a powerful way through the supernatural and through uh, miracles. 
Yeah, or you just don't want to feel like a fundamentalist or be scared or not cool because you actually believe that God made the earth and everything on it in the seven-day creation. And then, well, God lied. Did God lie about that in seven days when he talks to the right. Pharisees? And right, and you can see how um, once you reject um, that aspect of Scripture, um, the same people are saying, oh, well, did Jesus really walk on water? Did he really heal the blind? Did he really... Um, rise from the dead? Did he really um, do any of these other miracles? And not only him, but the miracles of the saints, the other miracles recorded in Scripture. I mean, you can go down the list. At what point do you stop questioning and throwing out the supernatural? It really is a slippery slope. As we said about Stalin, he read Darwin and goes, they lied to us. So you get that, that idea, they all yes. lied to us. Yes. Ooh, go down the wrong path. Yeah, and I mean, once you um, cross the threshold of not believing in absolute scriptural inerrancy, and you start believing in this limited version of scriptural inerrancy where only those truths that uh, pertain to our salvation are inerrant, um, well, that is unfortunately where I think a lot of our prelates are at already. And um, once you have that mindset, that again it helps to explain the uh crisis of faith um that we're in guys it's def that's dr kevin mark i don't know why i keep wanting to say devin right for doctor it's been a long day <laughs> <laughs> uh foundations restored uh i think they still do the first two episodes free uh I, uh yeah the first two i believe yeah first two are free uh check it out i have the link below in the show notes to check it out it's a weekend coming up well i think i'll unlock this during the weekend there'll be a weekend after this too watch the first two try then get the 17 afterwards have classes i know a group here that brought hugh in and pam they're thinking about doing uh weekly classes whenever whenever they're allowed to not treat humans as biohazards again uh to get together and do that but yeah, sure. Colby Center for Study Creation. Can't recommend that group enough. Uh, check out the website. It'll be below in the show notes. Uh, Doc, any final words you got? Um, just um, that you can trust Scripture. You can trust uh, the Church Fathers. You can trust Holy Tradition and what the Church has always believed and always taught. Uh, enough people agree with that. Uh, we're going to turn the tide by the help of God and uh, through the intercession of the mother of God. And so don't stop praying, don't stop believing. God's gonna do a miracle, he's gonna get us out of this. And don't get depressed because we have hope in the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. That's a good way to that's a good, uh, keep hope. Don't despair, I mean, it's kind of like a, there's one, Amazing Polly has a great one out on, is this torture? And it goes down a list of things of what's happening to all the people. and. I know Father Collins did a sermon the other day on uh, 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 not despair, basically, uh, and going with that one uh, 1980s video of the communist that basically you have to de demoralization. Don't get demoralized. Uh, now nah, it's a big one. you got to have hope. You, eventually, we win. We, it, your goal is to heaven, not to make this yes. utopia. You're supposed to get to heaven. So yes. mindset, keep focused. Doc, exactly. appreciate it, and uh, yeah, check out the web, check out the website, check out the DVDs, and uh, yeah, keep the faith. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.